Welcome back to the Everything is Lessons podcast, an inventory of wisdom. I'm your host, Ryan Curlbaum. This week, we have one of my former teachers, a great architect and mentor who I now can call a friend, Joe Biondo. Joe is talking with us today about his lesson, Empty Your Tank. I met Joe as a fourth year architecture student at Kansas State and At the time, I knew very little about his talent or his background, but quickly began to understand his amazing ability to teach and inspire, to design and mentor. And I suppose all the best teachers that we've had in our lives are usually like that, where their most profound lessons really tend to resonate with us long after the course has ended. And somehow during that time together with Joe, Those lessons about architecture were also interwoven with something much deeper. Somehow, Joe would talk about architecture and life and our kind of amazing purpose, amazing challenge for our lives. He would talk about them interchangeably, as if to cultivate a passion within his students uh, to encourage us to give our best to the world. And after that studio, Joe continued to build beautiful buildings across post-industrial Pennsylvania, mostly in Bethlehem. Um, I, in a, a weird way, followed his footsteps working at the same firm, Bull and Swinsky Jackson, uh, for a number of years, uh, right out of school, an amazingly formative moment for me and for him. He'll talk about that. Um, but you you may know, if you look up Joe's work, you'll, you'll find his work as a sole practitioner to be a collection of handsome and time, timeless, well-crafted, in site-specific buildings. And although there's a lot of architecture talk in this in this episode, I, I do think that anyone who has a kind of commitment to craft or a, a commitment to, to care will resonate with the message. Maybe perhaps you can just substitute your profession whenever we talk about architecture. Uh, in 2009, Joe completed perhaps his most enduring and profound work called The House of Equanimity a home for for himself that took multiple years. He concluded with a magnificent catalog of process that was developed into a monograph in 2018 of the same title. Joe is someone who's gifted beyond measure, but would never let you know it. He is kind and generous, thoughtful and determined. But beyond his amazing ability to design is his insatiable wisdom something that continues to resonate with me. Like how I'll never forget the day he asked our class, how do you want to be remembered? A question that still rattles around in my soul. Joe has a way of leading you down the right path, but seldom giving you the answer. And I guess that's the genius of any great sage, that they show you where the water is, but you yourself have to make the journey to drink it. We're really thankful to have Joe with us here today in his lesson, Empty Your Tank. Let's see what he can teach us. Here we go. It is so good to be here with a former professor, uh, amazing architect, uh, mentor of mine, Joe Biondo. Joe, thanks for being here. Hey, my pleasure, Ryan. Absolutely thrilled to be a part of this. this really so appreciate I appreciate what you're doing and getting the word out to others. And um, I'm really honored to be contributing to it. Cool. Well, that, you know, Joe, when I did this, um, you know, I, I had been collecting all these lessons for years. And um, I just thought about a lot of the things that you taught me, believe it or not, 18 years ago, Joe, uh, in a studio when you you were you were a professor for half a semester, if I remember, and um, but there was so many just amazing, uh, not even tidbits, just so many wise words said in that studio that it, they still feel like they they resonate with me now. So I mean, I, I, it's um, when I started putting this together, you're one of the first people I had on the list. Wow, um, share those words with me. I don't remember them. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, I do remember that moment uh, teaching that class, mm. and I, I'm I'm delighted to continue to follow lots of you. And that was just an incredible year of students, 
and I remember we were crammed in this sort of low road studio with no connection to the building and with one exit in and out yes. and uh, no windows, I believe. It had no yeah. windows, right? And no key. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but um, I think, you know, you got you folks really responded uh, and and I was uh, thrilled to co-teach that studio with Gerard Damiani. And yeah, I think yeah. you had you had two, you know, amazing powerhouses from Pennsylvania <laughs> at each end of the state. Um, yeah. And you all just responded incredibly. Yeah. And and I, I'm just thrilled to see see the ones that I am connected with succeeding on a big level. I'm yeah. really thrilled to see that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Joe, I wrote this in the introduction about you, um, uh, which kind of leads us into our first question here. But um, I said this, um, beyond his amazing ability to design, his is his insatiable wisdom, something that continues to resonate with me to this day. I'll never forget the day he asked our class, how do you want to be remembered? A question that still rattles around in my soul. Joe has a way of leading you down the right path, but seldom giving you the answer. I guess that's the genius of the sage, showing you where the water is, but knowing you have to make the journey to drink it. And so, Joe, I, I know you uh, over this 18 year uh, relationship, but not a lot of folks uh, do. And one one question I like to, to start with is, is to give a kind of abstract of your life. <laughs> That, that basically how you got to where you are or how you ended up working and living in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? Well, I come from uh, Italian immigrant families um, on both sides, my mother and father. And um, I learned with, with that, you learn incredible work ethic. Mm. And, you know, when you're like seven years old, you're working, basically, <laughs> you know, you're doing hardcore chores. Um, and my father, he came from Sicily um, and he came here as a teenage boy with no real skills or no real formal education. And and he carved out an incredible middle class life for us. Mm. Uh, and I learned by example through him. Yeah. Um, and he, he wasn't a, a big disciplinarian, uh, but he he had an incredible work ethic. He could do literally anything, anything he put his mind to. And um, he, he worked in the garment industry hmm. and he also side hustled with real estate development and concrete work. My grandfather was a concrete contractor. So as oh, wow. a young kid, I spent my weekends screeding concrete and and. Uh, <laughs> raking concrete and uh, in in the garment factories and watching how garments are made uh, in, in the Lehigh Valley, Bethlehem. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was always interested in that process. Um, but in terms of construction, I knew I wasn't I, I wasn't tough enough to do this all my life. You know, here I am, a 12 year old, 11 year old kid. Uh, busting up concrete with a 16 pound sledge. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, I don't want to do this all my life, but I also college wasn't on my radar either. Mm. So through years of doing this kind of work with, with my family, um, I was always interested in the process of making, mm. you know, how in the garment factory, you, you see layers of fabric, spools of thread, raw material all over that's the smell of of material and thread and and seeing dust in the air and the humming of machines sewing machines so and i saw this process from raw material to cutting of the material and patterning mm. patterns laid on stacks of material and cut uh and then pieces sewed together and then all of a sudden this garment came out it was wrapped and pressed and ready to ship but I didn't care about that finished garment. I was more interested in that whole process of yeah. making. And there's an interesting correlation between fashion and fabric and architecture, right? And how things come together. And, you know, I would, um, as, uh, as I got older and I, I would go suit shopping with my dad, you know, he would be very critical of the material and the way that the thread count and the stitching and he'll just say, look at this is garbage, Joe, look at this, how this is made. 
you know, so he, he kind of knew quality like yeah. that. And uh, I was always exposed to that process and um, just, just kind of ate it up um, as a child, as a kid. And then um, I, I took some drafting courses in high school and then it clicked. And first year we would take mechanical drafting. The next year we would take architecture. And it really clicked when I, when I, uh, and incidentally, my dad built all of our childhood homes. He built oh, wow. them. So, and so that was, you know, I saw, I was exposed to that process as well. So with architectural drafting, um, I was uh, involved in, in a cooperative program where you could work half a day in high school. So I got a job with a ar local architect in Bethlehem. And I knew right away I needed to go to college because I was kind of running prints all day and running errands. And, and I knew I had to go to college to, and lo and behold, our community college was one of the top in the country. It still is today. I had a great architecture program and feeders to many five-year universities, Kansas State being one, and it just it just clicked from mm. then on. And I found my passion at a young age. I was lucky. We don't always get to do that. Right. Um, but found the passion right away. And it was always about like the process of making, not necessarily the finished product, but how it was made. Right. right. And I, it still resonates with me today in the work. Well, and I think what's so amazing, Joe, is that that you have these amazing roots, uh, deep-seated roots in Bethlehem, and you've kind of maximized the potential of that area. You've you've you know the place, you know the history. It's it's embedded in the DNA in which you work. Um, and I think what's what's amazing is is that there's all these intangible kind of lessons that you've learned from growing up there, from being in one place for so much of your life. Um, that just kind of comes out of you you know it just it becomes inevitable in the way in which you work which i think is it's quite amazing um you know and we all have that uh that base uh, we yeah. all come from a particular hometown and that hometown has history yeah. and influences us as well and we all can take that story with us and see how that could manifest in our work um many uh teachers and, and colleagues, friends have always told me throughout the years that go out and get your experiences, but come back to your hometown and share those experiences with, with your hometown yeah. and I've, and with your family. And I've, I've done that. And I've always, I didn't think to do that initially, but I, I've, I've done that and I'm totally happy doing that and continually Continue, continuing to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I even offer that same advice to folks as well, you know, go back to your hometown and give to your hometown. Yeah. I don't know if I said that to you. You did. You, it, you okay. made many pitches to go back to Kansas. I don't think that's one lesson I didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't take you up on yet. <laughs> um, but it's a long, long ways to go. Um, well, hey, so we're, we're going to talk about your lesson. Um, and what I wanted to do is, is have you share that lesson with us and then just talk about the history of that lesson, why that lesson's been so important to you or why, how you kind of came to, to know it. The uh, hometown lesson? No, the, the empty your tank lesson. Oh, the empty your tank. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've watched people over the years and um, been – I've worked with good leaders and I've worked with not so good leaders as we all, we all do. Right. And I've observed carefully. And I've also understood how I felt when being managed with exceptional leadership and with not so mm -hmm. exceptional leadership. And I've learned from that. Um, so one of the things I've learned is that, you know, when you're in the moment, that person you're in the moment with deserves your full attention. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's no distractions. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not, I'm not on my computer. I'm, I'm, I'm totally immersed in a conversation with that person. I'm totally accessible and I'm going to empty, pour my heart out for mm -hmm. that person. And that's what I tell my students too. Um, you know, if you're interested in what I have to say, yeah. I'm going to sense that right away. Mm -hmm. And I am going to pour my heart out to you. I am going to empty my tank. 
Mm. If you're not interested in what I have to say, I'm, I'm fine with that as well. But I'm going to pour my heart out to those that are really interested in what I have to say. Mm. And uh, it's about mentoring. And it's about helping the next generation of architecture and architects to succeed at a, at, and operate at a very high level. Mm. Okay, so, so when I'm engaged in, a, in mentoring, I'm ex- I've got expectations of that person. And I really do expect them to operate at a high level. And, and they do. They absolutely do. And um, I, I try to lay it all out there in everything I do, whether it's teaching, whether mm-hmm. it's making a building, one project at a time. I'm emptying my tank out each one of those projects. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them are more successful than others. But regardless of the, the challenges and struggles, I'm still putting it all out there on the line. Because you only get one chance. When you're making a building, I treat it as a sacred act, right? When you think about it, you're taking this beautiful landscape, this this existing condition, you're scraping the land and laying a stone. Okay, that's a sacred act, right? Like think about the plains of Kansas, scraping that down and laying a block of stone in that big open sky. That's a sacred act. Mm. Okay, you only get one chance to do that right. And what what does that story tell future generations when you lay that stone down? Yeah. And, and you make that act, that deliberate act. Is it a deliberate act? Mm-hmm. Is it with your heart? And and I also I tell my students, when you when you operate at that level and you put love into what you do and you pour your heart into it, people notice that. Yes. People want to be associated with that. People want to buy what you're selling. You know, <laughs> right. people want to be be on that team. Yes. When you put love in, people notice. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I think that's missing today. Like mm-hmm. we're not we're no longer putting that much love into what we do. And mm-hmm. you know the road the road to to making a building it's a long tough hard journey. You get beaten down every every day <laughs> of the week. You get beaten down in trying to make this solve this problem for a client, and you know you have to you have to have the persistence yeah. to overcome that. Exactly. And Joe, do you do you feel like you saw, you learned that lesson earlier in your life, or like is that something you came to? Like, did someone really empty their tank for you, and you're like, that's how that's that's how I need to be towards others? Uh, that's a good question. And I, I think it would be Peter Bolin. Yeah. And I don't know how you, if, if you feel that way as well, but I, he was really relentless in pursuing a vision. Yeah. And, you know, he, I, I remember one time he, he said something to me that really resonated. Um, and, you know, it was after like, days of working pretty darn hard mm-hmm. and long nights. And, you know, maybe my attitude wasn't as good uh, <laughs> at the, toward the end of the, uh, the project and, and maybe it showed and he noticed and yeah. he said, you know, he, he said, you're getting lazy on me, Joe. What would you do if this was your firm? And, you know, that like, that was, a, that was a smack in my face. <laughs> and, and and right away, I thought, you know, I, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but the next day I thought, yeah, you know, he was right. And yeah. you know, I got to step it up. And, and uh, you know, ever since then, I've been like giving it my all. Yeah. Every chance I get. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, I, um, I, I kind of teased this in our, um, in our Instagram feed about um, this story I heard by this guy named Todd Henry, who runs this podcast called The Accidental Creative. Uh, and anyway, he, he tells a story where um, it's kind of a similar situation you're talking about, Joe, where it's like a, a high intensity moment. Uh, there's been a lot of hours put in with this team. Uh, there's a lot of risk after this big pursuit they're getting ready to go after. Uh, morale is low. People are tired. People are cranky. And uh, the <laughs> boss, the way he tells it, the boss just kind of steps up and says, what do you guys think the most valuable land in the world is? And they're like, oh, my gosh, what? 
why do we why are we answering this this is ridiculous can we get back to the work and he goes no no what's the most valuable land in the world and they're like i don't know saudi arabia or maybe uh the coast of south africa and he's like no no man the most valuable land in the world is the graveyard because that's where all of the unrealized uh novels uh are that's where all the untaken risks at lay that's where all the unlaunched businesses and unexecuted ideas, just all the stuff that people carried with them their whole life and thought about it and let it marinate, but it never got out into the world. And he was like, whoa. Uh, so so he, he takes that he takes that moment. He goes home and he writes uh, two words on his above his computer screen that say die empty. And maybe maybe that's maybe that's a little extreme, but that's the first thing I thought of when you said empty your tank. Um, and I just wonder how that kind of resonates with you. I mean, why do you think emptying your tank is so important? That's a great question. And that that um, that metaphor and that story really says a lot. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Uh, and that there are risks to be taken. And mm. I think sometimes our profession becomes too risk averse. Yeah. And uh, and. We, we need to be a bit more risk tolerant. Mm. Uh, when, when you think about the difference, one of the primary difference between uh, our profession and developers is risk and developers are very risk tolerant. And I think we, we need to, to um, think about that uh, mm. as a profession. Um, it is so true that we, there, there are a lot of things we think about that just go unspoken or unrealized. And uh, perhaps it's part fear of what other people think. Um, but how that, that's a great question. How do we, how do we get over that hurdle? Mm. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't, I, th I just feel like there. We're gonna get this a little later, but I feel like there's stuff inside of us, and I know you've you've recently taken kind of a an empty your tank move. Um, <laughs> that there's some there's something inside of us that that kind of um, it kind of nags at you. It doesn't. It's like one of those ideas that doesn't go away. It, it doesn't. Um, it it's never fleeting. It kind of just sits with you, always just kind of marinating in the back. Um, but it's, it seems like the, those things have to come out, right? I mean, if you are to empty your tank, like that you would get to the end of your life and there would be nothing that you, that you left on the table, so to speak. And that's, that's uh, very important in, in, you know, going down that path without having regrets. Mm. Um, and you, you touched on this transition I'm in right now. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is something I had to do. Mm. Or I would have regrets totally. So wow. I had to I had to put it out on the line, take take money that we have and buy a, a low road property and build another uh, production house. Build a production house because I know there is a an interest in what we do in in how we think about production housing, how we think about housing in general. Sure. And I had to. I had to take this risk and this was something I, I absolutely needed to do um, or I would have been regretting it. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's what I'm doing right now. And I want to, I'm, I'm entering in a new chapter and I'm believing that this chapter is going to be more fulfilling than my last chapter. Yeah. It's, I, I'm going to dial it up and uh, see where it goes but it's it's going to start out one little project one pilot project at a time yeah self self-initiating projects yeah uh, that are pieces of architecture and i would eventually want to scale that up wow well i think um well i have to i just have to transition because a little bit because you you also took this big risk in building your own house yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I remember when you were um, teaching us in I think it was in 2003, 
you had just you had just done the form work and you had this black and white photograph that almost read like a piece of land art um but it was just the, the concrete formwork in the in the photograph and it was it was in fact the foundation for the for the house um and anyway there, there's this there's this um essay by mary oliver which is called building building the house and she's uh, a poet who i kind of come to know later in life but she lived uh, she lived in massachusetts and built her own house actually um and she has this piece if you don't mind i just wanted to read it to you because it i think mm -hmm. it reminded sure. me uh it reminded me of you a lot so it says this uh i know a young man who can build almost anything and so serenely and in so assured in right of manner that it is a joy to watch him moreover he is in no hurry everything he learned he learned at a careful pace in building things he is familiar he is his familiar self which he does not overvalue but in the act of writing which is his other talent he is a grander man a surprise to us even more to himself he is beyond what he believed himself to be and i think for for you joe which i think is, is so inspiring to me is that that you have in fact you have many tanks that you can empty that you uh, you you can teach you can build you can design uh you have this you have a great family you you seem to have emptied your tanks well kind of across the board which i think is a very unique thing um and i guess i just wondered like it in this phase of your life how how do you continue to develop? Like, how do you continue to move beyond what you believe yourself to be able to achieve? Um, if I could just go back to what you said about emptying different tanks. Yeah. I, I concur with that. And for me to do it successfully, I empty them in sort of a linear progression. Mm. Um, I don't empty them all at once. So like, for example, when I became a father, mm. I shifted all my tanks into being a father. Yeah. And I was, I, I said in my head, I said, I'm going to be a great dad for this moment to where the kids are independent and self-sufficient. And um, architecture is going to take a little bit of a break. I'm going to dial architecture down. I'm ramping up being a dad. Wow. And my focus is on being a dad and to the point where I never missed any of their events, never missed any of their school events. Even as a baby and toddler, I never missed their doctor's appointments. So yeah. I was there for the kids. Oh, now, now Michael is 21. He's, he's self-sufficient. Abrienne is 18. She's self-sufficient. I'm no longer cool. You know, <laughs> I haven't been cool for, for about eight years to them. Wait till they so, hear this podcast, Joe. You're going to get a lot of <laughs> so they are they are both i believe they're going to be self-sufficient and they're going to contribute and i have no doubt for both of them um and now it is i, I toward the that their later high school years and into college i've now dialed it dialed up the architecture mm. a bit more and i took this big risk and I'm gonna I'm gonna crank that up to nine or ten for the rest of the chapter yeah. of my book that I'm <laughs> my story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so um so that tank now is emptied, I believe, for the most part. It's pretty much empty. You know, I still have a little raising to do and and giving dad advice. I still have that to do, but for yeah, the yeah. most part, the big tank is empty. Um, and now my my architecture tank, it's it's still they I've still got room to empty it. You know, yeah. I'm in my prime now as an architect. Right. We're in our prime when we get my age. Um, so I've got about three quarters of a tank to empty for architecture and and building and developing. Yeah. So and then teaching, I I've it's not like overwhelming for me. It's like something I. I consider it more mentoring yes. and sharing. So I'm emptying that tank every semester. Yeah. And it's a manageable empty of the tank. Right, right. No, I get it. I get <laughs> it's it. not like I'm it's not like I'm a full-time professor. I'm just a part-time instructor. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of easy to empty 
small the tanks program. every semester. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that could stay. I'm consistently emptying the academic tank, and now I'm going to dial up the architecture and development tank and empty that as yeah. quickly as I can. And I think it's important because our life is short, you right. know, when you think about it. And um, my dad passed away uh, this this past year, this summer, mm. and you realize life is just so short. Yeah. You know, and it just seems like, you know, I was I was in the in the garment factory with him yesterday. Yeah. And now he's passed away. So, you know, we we have a, a small window, a relatively small window to empty our tanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, you talked about that work ethic that you observed as a kid. And I think that's such a powerful legacy uh, to be left with, you know. And I mean, I think when I heard the empty the tank um, lesson, it, it just seems sometimes it could probably seem a little exhausting that you're constantly trying to pour yourself out into these things uh but in in so doing you're there's this kind of relentless work ethic that you uh that you become known for as you say you know and people are kind of inspired or or kind of magnetized to that kind of passion and care for what you do so i think that's amazing um but I did want to talk a little bit more about your house, if you don't mind. And the, sure. um, you know, in, in that in that Oliver quote that I read earlier, you know, you did, in fact, complete and build your own house. It did. It took it took time. It was not yeah. it was a slow process. Um, yes. Yeah. In a lot of ways. But do you feel like I mean, you talked about really focusing on raising your kids and emptying that tank. But it seemed like building your own house was something really important to you. And yeah. can you just talk a little bit about the the urgency that you felt to do that? Um, another uh, belief I have is that we as design professionals should try to do that ourselves. We should all try to build an environment, whether it be a one room studio um, or, or a house or whatever. And I felt it was important because it's the ultimate in marketing of what we do like to show a community what we do and it also reflects a thinking at that time it reflects that house reflected my current thinking at that time mm -hmm. um, and it also was an opportunity you mentioned like it was a slow process yes it was it was deliberately a slow process because rarely do we get to practice in a slow manner right where we get to to build a little, ruminate a little, think about other subsequent details in a full-scale model, so to speak. We rarely ever, almost never get to do that. Mm -hmm. And this was an opportunity to do that. I also needed to challenge the conventional thinking of suburbia. And, um, and, and you know, I, I built this challenge to suburbia right in suburbia. Uh, which which is unfortunate, you know, if you want to to build your own house, you kind of have to go out into suburbia. Mm -hmm. That's where all the land is. Um, and this was an opportunity to kind of challenge all of that and respond, get, provide a response for all that. Yes. And, you know, it was it was a rewarding experience. And as I look back on it, that was one of the more fulfilling times in my career because you're your owner, your architect, your developer, your project manager, your construction manager, uh, you're ordering materials. And that was a, re a real interesting challenge for me. Sure. To, to do that. And you're you're also responsible for a budget that you've created a budget. Like when we're we're practicing, if a donor likes what they're seeing, you're going to get some more money thrown into the budget. Right. Here, your budget is set in stand, you know, yeah. that is it. And and that's your challenge. And you can't always you got to really balance your wants and needs. Yes. Um, and and uh, that was the ultimate challenge for me. And as, as I got to the end of this project and the budget was really coming, getting stressed and strained. And and I, um, I started using credit cards to finish, finish it up. I was really wondering what am I getting into here <laughs> but it all works out it all works out that's good that's good it does work out I mean I, I talk about this um 
you'll hear it when you hear the podcast, but in the, I talk about the book that came out in 2018, um, which is a beautiful monograph of the process and a real testament, I think, to the, to the endurance uh, required for, to do something great. And uh, so I, I, I love that thing. It's really a special book. Um, Joe, I, I wanted to shift a little t- and talk about, um, about how you, how you work within teams, because it, I think it is a really important thing because you are a hugely ambitious person. I think we've all heard that by now. Uh, you have a, a seemingly in, uh, unemptiable tank of energy and enthusiasm <laughs> and drive. There's, that's never that's never going in, empty. Um, but you know, I, I think a lot of people would hear this and say, you know, maybe not, right now I'm not. I, there's no way I have that kind of motivation, or I don't have that kind of attention or enthusiasm. I'm I'm either just barely hanging on because of this pandemic situation, or or maybe it's just they're not as motivated as you are. And I, I just wondered if, if you had have had times in your life where, where you have maybe been in that season, where you 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 maybe struggled to find the, the passion behind what you were doing um, and, and how you kind of recaptured it or how you pressed forward. You know, we have, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a tough profession. And it's it's grueling to to um, realize a project to completion. Yeah. It's right. you know of all the art forms, like it's not like a chef where you're creating this gourmet, exquisite meal on a beautiful plate and presentation, and and you eat it and enjoy it, and that moment is gone. Right. right? Our our moments last for some in some cases a decade or so, uh, where where it takes that long to realize a project. And it is hard to sustain that level. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the thing is, though, you don't want to get into the position where you're you're perceived as not sustaining that level to the team. Mm. That is that is the challenge here, where you could you could you could literally uh, you know lose interest. But when your team perceives that, that's when it's time to. To do something because you know we 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 have to pump each other up we have to build each other up and and sometimes we need a refresher maybe that's when you take a vacation you kind of step away from it all Mm. Um, or you visit a great piece of uh historic architecture and and get inspired that way that's that's how i would normally do it um my recent transition i knew it was time for me to step away uh, because I was beginning to uh, be fearful that my slowing down and lack of energy and enthusiasm would be perceived to team members. And I didn't think that was fair at all. Mm. So before it got like that, I thought I need to transition Mm. and this is what I need to go to do. And I need to go around this time frame. Yeah. So um, I hope that it never really got to to the people I was mentoring because it wouldn't be fair to them. I'm right. very conscious of that. So the ways to refresh, you know, look at some great piece of pieces of architecture. Um, I would even joke to Gerard Damiani, I need to come out and visit you because, you know, he your colleagues pump you up from different areas and we're all struggling with the same thing. We all struggle with the same thing. It's, it's important to share our, our struggles as social media, you know, you're only seeing the best of the best, the best edited versions of the best. And, you know, you're not seeing the struggles and we all are going through struggles. We all are making mistakes and that's how we learn. And it's all, it's always good to, you know, have that camaraderie, share a beer and stories, look at a great piece of architecture, take a little road trip, you know, go down to Marfa, Texas and look at some art. And, and that's a a good way to kind of recharge. Yeah. But when it gets to the point where you can't recharge, you got to move on before it affects the rest of the staff. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a noble sentiment. Um, Cause I, I, I do think that, you know, it, when you find yourselves in those lulls, I mean, I think what you said 
about finding others to to build you up. I think that's that community that we all surround ourselves with. I mean, that's when yeah. I when yeah. I teach Joe, I, I say a lot of those same lessons about surrounding yourself with people who are better than you. Figure yes. out what yeah. they're doing well. Figure out how you can do you know even the, the smallest of things better uh, yeah. just by learning from other folks. Um, I mean, and the other piece I want to touch that's kind of on the a related question, I think, to this is um, how it, how have you, you know, with with this kind of deep passion for what you do, either in teaching or or in in architecture, how how have you endured when you found that you know that passion was not shared by other people, whether it was a, a teammate or a client, um, but you felt like you had a a purpose, you felt like you had a vision or something significant to do. But maybe you found some folks who either from the you were having trouble convincing from the client side or even just getting your team rallied around that that vision. That's a great question. And um, I haven't experienced a whole lot of that. Mm. And partly because I believe when you're when you're operating at a at your highest level and you're sharing your experiences and your your you're you're an energy an energy and a kind of a magnet for similar people with high energy and high operational potential mm -hmm. so you're attracting um you're essentially you're becoming a magnet to attract these high performers mm -hmm. um so there but however there are times where you know maybe you're when, when you're pursuing jobs like um, putting out proposals and so forth for jobs. You're putting out a lot of energy. You make it to the interview. You're you're presenting extremely well, um, and maybe someone is not connecting with your your energy. Right. Sometimes that's a good thing. Mm. Okay. You know you're you want to you want to be able to attract good clients. You want to attract good employees and by maintaining a high level, you're able to do that more so. And the, those jobs you didn't get, well, maybe that's a good thing. Right. Yeah, because if you do in fact get it, think about the the struggle that will be. Yes, oh yeah, absolutely. The five-year relationship, you know what I mean? Or absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe they've selected you for all the wrong reasons. Yes. Um, well, Joe, I just had one more question for you, if you don't mind. Um, and uh, this is another one of those where I, I like to just read a piece and then get your thoughts on it, if that's, if that's okay with you. Um, but there's this, there's this author named Stephen Pressfield who wrote this book that I think you would love if you haven't read it, called The War of Art. And it, it really is about um, the creative process and the, and the amount of resistance that we feel internally. <laughs> And, and that resistance is is this kind of, it's either a voice in your head, it's it's the noise that you're not enough or you haven't, you'll, you'll never be able to do that thing, or it's the kind of negativity that starts to make you doubt yourself. Um, but anyway, he goes through this whole book, it's really short, but at the end, he says this thing that's so good, and uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. He says, um, are you born a writer? Were you put on earth to be a painter or a scientist or an apostle of peace? In the end, the question can only be answered by action. Do it or don't. The creative work is a selfish is not a selfish act or a bid for attention on the part of the actor. It is a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us what you've got. And it's like this locker room speech for for creative folks, and I just love it. Um, but I, you know, for me personally, Joe, I, I feel like there are things I'm I'm supposed to do too. You know what I mean? We've we've talked about like there there are tanks. When I heard this lesson, I've really been thinking a lot about what I what I need to empty, what tanks I need to empty. You know, and for me, it it maybe it is building our own home, or maybe it is writing a book, or it is publishing something of substance. Um, but what would you offer as encouragement either to me or to, to other people 
who feel like they have these ideas inside of them. Um, and as Pressfield says, they, they need to share their gift with the world. How would you encourage those folks to, to really seize those moments, seize those ideas? Well, I think, you know, to borrow from Nike, you just got to do it. <laughs> and um, like you, you, re you realize that time really flies mm. and you're going to see it as you're raising your kids. Like uh, your kids are in preschool now, right? Or yeah, six, six and two. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're going to see like they're going to get to high school like that. Right. And you're going to see. You, you measure your time by like your kids and the phases yeah. they're going through and and they're they're going to be going to college before you can imagine. And you, just that window, it, it just will seem like yesterday yeah. where you were with these little toddlers. Um, so that should give you a sense of urgency to. To, yes, follow your ideas and, and follow your your passions and goals and and um just do it just make it happen what do you have to do to make to make it happen mm. uh and you're you find out like when you begin to distill it that your reasons for not doing it they're just excuses mm. right um now you you've got i think you're doing a lot ryan i think you're you're doing an incredible amount you know you're emptying your tank too in in the practice and teaching doing the podcast and raising kids, right? Your your priority is raising the kids now. And you know, once they get to college, you you need to then dial up on that book and get <laughs> that going. And everybody has those those goals in the back of their mind. And you just need to dial it up when it comes time, when that window comes time, and you got to do it before it's too late. Cause then you'll have regrets. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to die with any regrets. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joe. <laughs> that was just the charge I was expecting. Uh, that's so good, man. Um, I really, really appreciate that. And um, I, I kind of close these things, Joe, with, with these like little benedictions that are really like, um, you know, things that I write that I feel like after, after you know, this relationship and thinking about your lesson and um, just your impact on me personally, uh, you know, it's just something it's it's a bit of a tribute to, to to sound off here. But I found this this piece in your book um, that that talks about architecture. But I think more than that, it, it's 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 embedded in it is the idea of emptying your tank. And I just wanted to read it and then we'll we'll close. Um, it's, it's about your work. It says architecture whose form is developed from the intense working of materials and their means of construction an exploitation of, of materials and connections whose sensory and tactile qualities are revealed and further heightened in the passage of time. And in that, Joe, it seems that you have found that emptying your tank in everything you do really uh, has become a real inspiration um, for me and, and I'm sure for everyone who hears this. So thank you for your words. We are, we are better for them and uh, really appreciate your time. It was all my pleasure, Ryan. I uh, thank you for doing this and um, keep up the great work. We'll do right. Write that book. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be my three word lesson for me. <laughs> all right, Joe. Thanks it was a, a pleasure. Absolutely a pleasure. I'm very proud of the work you're doing. Right. Proud of you guys. Uh, you, you students that were, were, uh, I was had the pleasure of teaching very proud of all of you and what you're doing. Amazing stuff, amazing. You know, and I, I, teaching at other schools and the work ethic that I saw from that class, amazing. Yeah, yeah, and you high just, level. You just feed off of each other, man. And that's the, that's the juice. That's yeah, the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Joe. Thanks, man. Take care. Thank you, Ryan. Take All care. Right. Talk to you Bye -bye. soon. Well, I think Joe's enthusiasm is clear. <laughs> that that was like a, a locker room speech for your soul. So much good stuff in there, I thought. I mean, I love this point about 
when you work with great care and passion and rigor and craft, just all the stuff that is kind of intangible to just being a really productive and kind of influential worker, um, that when people see you work like that, you you will attract people to work beside you. Uh, that method of working in a way uh, will will bring people um, and encourage people to work with you, which I thought was a really powerful point. But even even beyond the the kind of product um, of the work and uh, the work we build, the work we do in whatever field, his focus on the process is so important. And it's the process of, of the work, of course, but it's also the process of encouraging and investing in people. And I just really appreciate how he spoke about emptying your tank just beyond our careers. You know, Joe is someone who pours himself into his family and to his work and into his students, as you heard. And I think just by listening to him, at least I was convic- convicted of just to focus on the beauty of this moment in raising our kids and, you know, letting those ideas that continue to rattle around in our souls <laughs> uh, continue to let those things marinate, but, and, you know, perhaps act on them, but but don't lose track of, of really pouring yourself into your family, um, especially during this time. Um, because I, I think at the end of it, as he said, like, we don't want to leave with any regrets, and, and in a way, we don't want to leave anything in the cemetery. Um, I, I also love this prompt. What do we have to do to make it happen? Just like such a, such a charge and such a, so much belief in that statement and that question. I love it. But anyway, I, I just hope you you hope you found this to be a really encouraging and hope-filled episode. I, I I hope you were inspired to empty your collective tanks into whatever it is in your life, um, and ultimately that we need to give this life everything we've got. In, in a lot of ways, the, the world is counting on that. So thank you again for joining us. If you're interested, please check the blog uh, for links to everything we talked about today. There was a lot of references in there. And I know it was a lot about architecture, but I hope that you, again, can just see uh, yourself in this message. You can kind of recognize and resonate with the wisdom uh, from today. So check the blog for, for links. Um, Again, wait, rate and, and subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We, we'd really appreciate that. And we'll be back again in two weeks with another lesson. We have so much more to learn. This is the Everything is Lessons podcast.